0: Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis.
1: Hello, this is MotorWeek's 36th podcast. Thanks for joining us. I am obviously not John Davis. We are flying without our commander once again. Our host, John Davis, is on the road this week, but we've got our usual automotive gurus with us here. Redder Shemit Hollywood Choksi. Hey, hey,
2: hey, <laughs> hey, hey. hey,
1: hey. Ben Davis, who works with me and does the majority of the actual work in the road test department. (laughs) Oh, hello. Over the edge reporter and all-around good guy, Stephen Shepnick. Hello. And I'm road test producer Brian Robinson. This week we've got something special, a little different than what we usually do here. We'll be joined by Kelsey Mays from Cars.com and Jim Healy from USA Today to discuss a comparison test that we did with those guys recently. And we'll have our usual lightning round question of the week and, of course, some listener email. But first up today, recently uh, we did a comparison for our show and uh, in conjunction with Cars.com and USA Today for a $25,000 family car shootout. And briefly, it was put out to all manufacturers to send a family sedan for less than $25,000. Some manufacturers participated and some chose not to. But we ended up with eight mid- and full-size sedans and came up with a winner. Now, before we get into the full details, let's bring in our guest, Jim Healy, no stranger to anyone who reads the USA Today or follows the car industry at all. I know you've been reading—I've been reading your articles in the USA Today for uh, quite a while now. Jim, welcome.
3: Thank you. A lot of time on your hands, I guess, huh?
1: <laughs> there are uh there were two things that really stuck out to me about the comparison one was the level of, of equipment these cars had for under twenty five thousand I thought it was pretty impressive and two uh how the domestic brands continue to improve yet somehow still fall short uh, in these comparisons so uh, what are your thoughts
3: it did seem strange i uh I guess I'd have to say I wouldn't necessarily have rated them the way that the judges did but uh, it was a very telling comparison, and having the families vote in there and having it count for 40% of the total kind of uh, leavened things, I guess.
1: Yeah, and, and you mentioned the families. Yeah, one thing different about this uh, comparison is we did bring in a local family, and uh, that was arranged by uh, cars.com. And, Kelsey, uh, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that came about and uh, maybe what their opinions were on the cars?
0: Uh, Ben and Jill Tiernan of uh, West Los Angeles, Um, they came in and and actually uh, their leases on their cars are coming up soon. So uh, they came in and really provided a good family perspective. Uh, Ben's into cars. And uh, they have two kids, and um, they poked around and really gave us uh, a a good perspective. Sometimes, I think, uh, as a car reviewer, you get into this bubble of of things you like and things you don't like, and it's important to really stay connected to the market. And and kind of the best way to do that is actually to have a real family on site to tell you what their needs are and and to have them help you out when when checking out the cars.
1: Yeah, a lot of times I think we all in the media all focus on the same things, and, and maybe it's not what the general consumer is looking for. Right, right. Well, before I I get too far, I guess I should run down the cars that we did have in their place. Uh, uh, We had eight cars, as I mentioned, and uh, coming in last was uh, the Ford Fusion, which was kind of surprising since uh, that was just Motor Trend Car of the Year last year. Uh, Seventh place was Chevrolet Malibu. Again, two domestics kind of bringing up the rear. Sixth place, Nissan Altima, Honda Accord, fifth. Uh, our top four was the Mazda 6, third place uh, Suzuki Kazashi, a new car in this uh, segment. Toyota Camry came in second, and our winner, of course, the 2011 Hyundai Sonata. Now, as usually the case with these comparisons, the most recent redesign seems to come out the winner, and the older designs kind of fall to the bottom. Uh, Jim, you I don't know if you remember or not, but we did an interview with you like halfway through the comparison, and you said... At least on paper, it looked like the Sonata would be the one to beat, and that ended up uh, coming true. What was it about the Sonata, you think, that put it to the top?
3: Well, I'm just a genius, obviously. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, It it seems like every succeeding generation of a car has a chance to put in more features for less money because things have gotten popular, the cost per unit is down, and that's what it was like with the Hyundai. It had a lot of premium-level features. Navigation, as I recall, uh, direct injection four-cylinder engine, which is just on the front end of that technology. Um, so it has a lot of things to recommend it, and the others that haven't been redesigned in the past couple years were behind a
4: little bit.
1: Yeah, and uh, Kelsey, uh, were you uh, was the Sonata your winner for you? I know we mentioned the family kind of had a little bit more of an input in our final results. Uh, was the Sonata your winner as well, or did you uh, have something else?
0: It was. It was. Uh, I think that um, you know people want to buy the car that looks the best, and 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 hopefully the uh, you know the hardware underneath holds up. And the Sonata really did. Uh, Jim mentioned the the engine is really a pretty good engine. Um, good uh, good fuel economy thirty five miles per gallon and EPA ratings for that car with the four cylinder and. Uh, and uh, it's got some pretty good get-up and go too. I mean, you look at that and you compare it to some of these cars that, that are kind of aging down the pipeline. Um, and you look at cars like Chevy Malibu, which has an engine that's a few years back, and and it just it feels uh, these cars. Some of these cars feel more encumbered by their weight, certainly uh, than the Sonata did.
1: Let's turn to our guys here in the studio. Shamit, Ben, yeah. Stephen. Uh, you know, I, I, the Sonata. Yeah.
2: I'm not 100% surprised about this because of what Hyundai's been doing in recent years. And they've been putting out a lot of—it just seems like year over year now, things are getting better and better from Korea. Uh, for me, the big surprise—and I should also say it's a little bit of a disappointment to see Ford and Chevy come up behind just because of you know the what's happened in the last year and a half. It would have been nice to see them fall somewhere in the middle. But uh, Suzuki Kazashi is a real— uh, that's a that's a surprise to me. I mean, uh, you know, he's just yeah. This one's coming out of nowhere. I, I would say half of you know a lot of people just don't even know what this thing is. Um, I, it 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 kind of really makes the whole terrain a little bit more textured and interesting because here's this guy coming from nowhere and he's placing third. It's it's kind of amazing.
5: Well, I know on the Kazashi, uh, we we have a long term Kazashi here, and I. Took it uh, you know, on long trips, and, and the first thing that surprised me was just, one, how comfortable it is just to drive for that long distance, but then you get down to the driving factor, and the gas mileage that I got, and I'll preface this with, I'm, I'm a very conservative driver, um, and I was able to get an extremely high number uh, in the gas and the mileage per gallon that
1: i was just shocked yeah i should mention all the cars in the uh shootout were all four cylinders and they all had automatic transmissions car wise two things that stood out to me were one was the camry it's never the most exciting uh car but when you put it in a comparison like this it's hard to to deny its uh livability and comfort and uh also the mazda six i didn't realize i liked it as much as i did until uh until i kind of put it up with everything else so jim what surprised you most about the uh, comparison
3: well, the, the Kazashi surprised me in the sense that, while well, I like it a lot, and it might have been my personal number one, um, Ben, the uh, the father of the family, said about the same thing. He only chose not to choose it because he didn't think his wife would like it that much. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's a little edgy for most people. Um, in my mind, not really a, a mainstream family car, but he, he certainly thought so, and he's coming out of an Audi, and she's coming out of a Mercedes. So... They have some car sense, obviously, at least as far as the driving feel of things go. The other the other two things that, that surprised me, and here again, I, I would have differed, did differ from the, the consensus, and that is um, I, I thought the, the Camry, while nicely turned out, was pretty much terrible once in motion. I thought it had the worst driving and riding dynamics of anything in the test. And I was quite surprised about the Accord, which on the inside, struck me as really, really down-market and noisy, and I thought maybe we had a a low-end one to match or to meet the price, and I looked at it later, and it was an EX, which is the high-end one. So those were the two big surprises to me.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with the Accord. That's kind of always been my benchmark in this class, and, uh, yeah, I was kind of disappointed with that one myself. The
0: interesting interesting thing about the Accord, uh, as Jim was saying, we we did get the EX, um, and the ones that we've been... Driving here back in, in our offices are more EXLs and more with the V6 engines and stuff like that. And when you get down to uh, these sort of lower-end accords that aren't fully loaded, uh, the car does become a lot less impressive, even relatively speaking.
3: Yeah, that said, it. It, it did drive nicely. The steering and the, and the handling were good, but, but I just found it noisy and, and uh, not at all a premium feel.
1: And the uh, the Ford Fusion, what is, what is it about it that Motor Trend uh, likes so much that uh, we obviously didn't? Anybody?
3: Well, I think I liked it again. I, I must be the odd man out here, but, but I liked it, I think, more than most of the other uh, people who gave it a score. Um, it came in last in the consensus judging. I wouldn't have put it down that far. I would have, for example, put it ahead of the uh, Accord and the Camry. It seemed to me a very good all around package and and uh, I had forgotten that I liked the handling so much. it seemed very responsive without being twitchy or harsh that you sometimes
0: get when as a trade off I, I can see what you 're saying, Jim. Uh, I think what happened with the uh, with the fusion is that the particular um, car we were driving had a lot of transmission hesitation, and uh, that certainly proved to be a deal breaker for uh, for the family when they were when they were out driving with uh, senior editor dave thomas um and we noticed it too and so that, that got to be kind of the thorn in its side
2: um yeah it's that's kind of a, a almost a raw deal i, I wish uh, i wish that wasn't the case because i think fusion might have placed at maybe even higher than the ultima and, and more sort of in the middle of the pack at, at, just from a an overall standpoint
0: definitely yeah, from certainly a, possible from a
4: design standpoint for sure
1: yeah, Kelsey, you're, you're the one pretty much that put most of this together, and uh, I think everything went really well. Kind of give us the background on, on how this came about and uh, why you guys uh, wanted to do this.
0: Well, it was interesting. Uh, obviously, being in the Midwest, uh, we don't get a lot of good weather in the winter to really put cars through an honest test. And so we thought, well, we should go out to where the weather's nicer and wrangle a bunch of cars really at the heart of the market. And um, and, and interestingly, we were all talking about this um, when you drive cars over the same route, um, and, and you get in the next car and you drive it over the same route, and you get in the next car and you drive it over the same route, um, this sort of malaise you get looking at a, at a crowd of cars and thinking, "Wow, they really all look the same and, and might feel the same," that doesn't that that goes away because the real differences in the car uh, in the cars really really uh, become apparent. And, and so, as we continue to say to our readers. Um, you know, if you're test driving uh, on a weekend, make sure it's going to be a long, long Saturday, but make sure you you drive them all back to back if you can, because then the the real differences between the cars will emerge.
1: Yeah, that was kind of my experience with the Kazashi. I had driven one here before we went out there, and I was really impressed with it, but then kind of when you get it compared to all the others, you know, you realize how small it is, and maybe it's not as refined as as some of the others. Did did you guys get any sort of indication whether the family
2: had even heard of a Kazashi, Uh Suzuki Kazashi? Were they well,
3: that's the interesting part, because I asked, I asked Ben when he was driving, I said, does the fact that it's a Suzuki matter to you? I, I figured he'd answer that it took away a little bit, because it didn't have the image, the prestige, and so forth. Um, but he said that was a plus, because it, it was a clean slate. Uh, his neighbors wouldn't know how to regard it. They'd just assume it must be cool because here's a guy moving from an Audi to a Suzuki. Right. And it's got a good rep for motorcycles. And so to him, it was a plus that it, it was a kind of an unknown factor.
5: Hmm. Well, I think with the Kazashi, uh, speaking of size and one comparison that, that Kelsey, you guys did was, uh, the trunk space and the Kazashi mm-hmm. obviously has the smallest, but I thought that was a good comparo to say, it's not just driving factor. It's the size of everything. And you know, when, when you guys looked it over, uh, what was the, the main factor of trying to figure out that trunk space?
0: Well, uh, the trunk space was trying to see how well you can fit everything in, and and it goes back to... not just the absolute size of the trunk, but the contours of the trunk. I mean, how, where the wheel wells are, how well the floor is flatly arrayed or not, um, and that'll pay dividends or take away from how much stuff you can really stuff in there as a as a family car buyer uh, when you go on that weekend run to Costco or what have you. Um, the Kazashi's trunk is is small, but what really stuck out in the size of the car was the the back seat, um, particularly if you're putting in child seats. Um, just certainly not as big as as the back seats in the accord the camry uh, a few of the others so
3: yeah i mean that's that's an amen from me i i tried to get in the back seat from one side to the other and uh it was very difficult a lot of throwing of the feet up and around and climbing over things just to move from one side of the back seat to the other so in that sense i think it might be wanting as a family car
0: yeah I mean Suzuki seems to have done a very good job making use of the space that there is uh i mean the the front seats are sculpted in a way that back seat passengers can really put their knees into them without feeling too uncomfortable and 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 the seats sit nice and high, but at the same time uh as as you were alluding to jim uh, um I mean you can only sculpt so much space out of a smaller wrapper
1: the uh, Kazashi was obviously one of the more entertaining cars to drive, one of the most fun to drive cars. And the Sonata, depending on the review, I've seen it both ways. Some people say it handles really great, and I think uh, other people have said it hasn't. Uh, How would you compare those two uh, handling wise,
0: uh, Jim?
3: In my mind, uh, Kazashi would win that one pretty easily.
0: How about you, Kelsey? Well,. Interestingly, the, uh, the Sonata we had was a GLS model, and there is a Sport Tuned Sonata SE, and so that might account for some of the uh, variations in the reviews. But the Kazashi is a pretty nimble car; um, its suspension is obviously a, m- a more sporting type, um, and it's a smaller car, and so almost by dint of that, it just uh, has tighter steering feel, uh, less body roll, that sort of stuff. So
4: this uh, question goes out to uh, either Kelsey or Brian. Um, just, uh, just out of curiosity, if you had a Frankenstein table and could pull all the characteristics out of the, the entire test field and put them all together into one car that would suit you the most, so what characteristics would you take from what to, to end up with your ideal car?
1: I'll let you take that first, Kelsey, so I can think about it for a while.
0: <laughs> Sorry about that one. Um, I, I would certainly take the, the styling of the sonata with the uh the driving characteristics of the um of the Kazashi and, and to Jim's point, I mean the Camry doesn't have a very controlled ride, but boy is it comfortable. I mean, you, you, you get into some of these big cars and you say it rides like a boat, but at the same time, it, it you don't feel many bumps, and that's kind of the case with the Camry. So I would take the styling of the uh, the Sonata, the handling of the Kazashi, and the, and the ride comfort, if not the quality, of the uh, Camry.
1: I think I would go with the front-end styling of the Sonata, the <laughs> rear-end styling of the Fusion, the interior of the Camry with the options of the Mazda 6. How about that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and the wheels of the Kazashi? <laughs>
1: all right. Well, uh, I think time is flying by here, so I guess we'd better uh, move on. I'd like to thank Jim and Kelsey for joining us, and be sure to check out their takes on this comparison at both cars.com and usatoday.com. Thanks, Jim. Well, thank
0: you for having us on, Brian.
1: Uh, thanks, Kelsey. We'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Uh, you can also get a full rundown of all the cars that were in the comparison as well as a breakdown of all the scoring on the cars.com website. All right. Lightning round time. I'll throw out a question uh, to our experts here, and we'll pontificate and elaborate. And experts? What experts? <laughs> hopefully educate you on our vast knowledge of the automotive history. I don't pontificate after lunch, but I'll try. All right. Uh, here we go. Honda's president, Takanobo Ito, recently called the company complacent after its market share dropped while Hyundai is on fire. What can other automakers learn from this? Boy, that's not an easy one. Who Ooh, wants to chime in? I,
5: I mean, I'll start. Like we talked about just, you know, with, with the, the shootout. Hyundai won the shootout over the Honda Accord, Toyota, uh, Camry. You know, it, Hyundai is coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hyundai is coming up in this world. And and I think, the, you know, I think some of these Hondas and Toyotas who, over the past 10 years, have just sold cars based on reputation alone. I think that's you know I think you look at Hyundai they they're coming up uh, and and they're really putting out good product I think some of these people need to go back and look at what they did ten years ago fifteen years ago and start making the better product and for a cheaper price. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I mean if Hyundai's president is saying that about his company. I wonder. If- yeah, you know, Toyota's president w- saying right now. Well, I, mean, I think
1: what he was referring to was that actually the Toyota, uh, more of their marketing efforts on how why they're not capitalizing on this Toyota, all of Toyota's problems. Toyota's sales are way down, theirs are are barely up, and he kind of thinks they should be getting all that business. And but I think that's what he was referring. To. He was he sure. did he did call out the Prius and the Insight. Uh, specifically in that Prius gets better mileage than the Insight and he's not happy about that and Prius also outsells the Insight 5 to 1 which he's not happy about but I think the the Toyota problems have become maybe the whole Japanese industry's problems because they used to have this stigma as being the safest and most reliable cars and all of a sudden now they're not and uh some of that sales have come to back to the U.S. brands, but I think most of it's gone to the Korean well, brands.
2: You would have thought Honda would have reaped off of this, and you're right. They, no. they haven't at all. Right, right. So. right.
4: Well, you got to give it to Hyundai, too, because um, it's unfortunate that a situation like this arose for uh, Toyota and Honda. But uh, you got to give it to Hyundai for being there and having what it takes to, to take over some of that market when it's available. I mean— uh,
1: Oh hey, well I guess we haven't actually answered the question, which is what can other automakers learn from this. So maybe we'll uh, have some overtime to answer that. <laughs> I'm not sure, but uh, I think when I, you get to the top,
4: don't rest. You got to keep you got to keep pushing and striving.
2: Oh yeah, I mean it is. It's a, it's a matter of the 800 pound gorilla is just taking everything for granted uh, for a long time. And Hyundai's uh, this whole build has taken years. This is not a overnight thing. But Hyundai's positioned and poised perfectly when. When this type of situation arose, and they struck with iron irons hot, I mean, absolutely. You know. And
1: it's all about marketing. I mean, as being a car guy, you want to say it's all about product, and in a way, it is. But if you make a better product, but no one knows about it, you know, totally. Yeah, you got to get the word out there.
2: Yeah, and vice versa.
1: All right, with over tea, did we get it answered? Or no. <laughs> Not sure. Oh, so. okay. We, yeah, did our, yeah. we did
4: our best. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, our email question this week comes from Rita. And If you have a question or comment for us, go to MotorWeek.org and let us have it. If we do pick your question, you'll get a MotorWeek T-shirt, which is a lovely Heather Gray, by the way, and it's got our logo on it. And it's the perfect summer tire. If is that short
2: sleeve or long sleeve?
1: Oh, it is short Both. Oh, well, I, I guess the freebie would probably be short. short okay. Unless it's a really good question, and then maybe you can get a long sleeve.
2: <laughs> All right, well, let's see what happens with this question.
1: Then. And it, actually, actually, I think they're for sale on our website, too, if you don't get an email. <laughs> Excellent. Answered. I'll check yeah. it out since we don't get any freebies around it. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Rita... Asked, I'm wondering about the recommendation to service the transmission every 30,000 miles. My husband thinks this is excessive and asked me to find out from you if this is a good interval or if we can wait longer in between servicings.
2: Go ahead. Anybody? I think this is a totally a Brian Robinson question. Oh really? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, well, you're usually you're really good on maintenance. I mean, you kind of keep your eye on our fleet over here. So I always defer these kinds of questions back to you. Um,
1: it's I don't know the brand of car. She doesn't mention that, so it's hard to say. But uh, you know, whatever the owner's manual says is what I I tend to stick with. Not the dealer recommendations because obviously they want to get you in the dealership more than uh, you necessarily need to be there. Thirty thousand miles. So it doesn't sound like a lot of miles but that's probably two years i don't think that's asking too much to get your transmission checked no, out.
4: certainly not it's an, it's an easy thing to do too it's a drain and fill kind of deal and sometimes you have to replace a filter in uh, in automatic transmissions but believe me you don't want to go um 60 70 80 miles before you uh before you address that transmission because it could be way too late at that point and very expensive
1: all right anybody else
2: no, mm-hmm. you, you know what? Let me ask you just a variant on that question. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're putting very few miles on the on a car, you know, maybe. Several thousand, seven, eight thousand. Would you, at some point, uh, you know, override the miles to the
4: amount of time? Yeah, if you. I mean, if your transmission fluid in question was six years old, and you still don't have thirty thousand on the on the clock, you're saying? Absolutely.
1: I think you have to because, I think less mileage is worse than a lot of mileage, just because it doesn't get used. I know my car sits more than it drives. It and certainly does. Every time I get in, something else is is now wrong with it because it's been sitting there for a month. But so maybe I should have someone else answer this question next time not me. <laughs> age is
4: a age with everything uh, all right i guess uh,
1: we're out of time for this week i'd like to thank jim haley of usa today and kelsey mays from cars.com for joining us our producer michelle parker podcast creator bob Mixter, and of course our audio engineer jim bigwood be sure to check us out each week on pbs and check out our website twitter facebook youtube channel etc cetera, etc cetera. and we'll see you next time here on motor week
0: You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.